And we're back. I'm Gervier Brown here with Jamal Sandu, and we are screen off script. This week, we're getting into the 25th anniversary of Titanic and reflecting on all the major movie and TV news of the week. And I think they believe it deeper than you're assuming they believe it. And I think it's fine. You know, Jesus, Iron Man, doesn't matter really. These are, these are good stories. They're good stories, good and evil, redemption. And oddly, you know, both of them, you know, could come back. Like, <laughs> Iron Man died at the end of the last movie, but it's possible that he could come back. I think a lot of grown male nerd children are hanging on to hope and they kind of know like he'll be back. And Jesus, of course, is prophesied. So, you know, we're on, we're on the precipice of, of two resurrections, folks. All right. In our first segment, we're going to be talking about all the major movie and TV news of the week. If you want to check out our review of Titanic, we got timestamps in the description. So first thing, mm. uh, next week, Ant-Man comes out. Mm-hmm. All right. Obviously, this is coming out the day Ant-Man comes out, but it's also the day we're going to be watching that movie. Yeah. So I'm just curious to see, where, what's your hype level at right now? It's pretty solid. Um, I wouldn't say it's kind of like I'm bursting at the seams compared to some of the other properties and some of the other franchises within the MCU. Like, for example, I'm way more excited about Guardians 3 than I am uh, Ant-Man and, and the Wasp Quantumania. I think the biggest thing I'm interested in is Jonathan Major's performance yeah. as Kang because we only got, like, a glimpse of a version of Kang in Loki. So to get a different version that's going to be, I guess, the new Thanos of this whole phase, this is the movie that introduces that character, right? Yeah, exactly. That's what's like kind of really interesting about this time in the MCU is like, yo, this is the movie. You know yeah. what I mean? This is supposed to be the movie that sets up everything. Yeah. Right? Like the same way, like this is the first entry in phase five. This is also, like you mentioned, the first real entrance like this is where most like i'm sure there's gonna be a lot of people who just haven't seen loki mm. so there's gonna be a lot of people's first introduction to kang right and this is like probably the most important part if they nail kang they nail this entire phase yep i'm not sure if you checked online but there already are like kind of mixed reviews from like critics yeah right and it's kind of interesting to see that because we haven't seen a movie get like a rotten score since what was it what was the last one that got it? I think Thor: Love and Thunder got a pretty bad score. Yeah, yeah. Was that the other one that got uh, got rotten, or In, was it like? I think I think the uh, during last phase, I think it was Black Widow, which is obviously a Disney Plus exclusive, and Eternals, right? I feel like Eternals probably Eternals got negative reviews too. But I, th- I feel like Eternals kind of got a bit of shine just from cinephiles mm-hmm. in terms of kind of like what was trying to be achieved. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then Thor: Love and Thunder. No, I wouldn't say universally got panned, but yeah, it got it got shit on pretty badly. Interesting, man. I'm I'm just really curious to see where we kind of go. I was also yeah. obviously this is like start of a new phase. We're getting a whole bunch of news, and Kevin Feige has actually come out, and that's kind of what I want to talk about first. Is uh, first thing you said is that there's gonna be fewer MCU shows that are gonna happen going forward with more time given in between each show's release, so they can have more time to shine. Obviously, that's music to our ears. We've been talking about how we, you know, you can't digest everything that we're beginning. I love that. And this kind of goes back to what we've been talking about uh, and what I've been saying uh, specifically is what they've done in the the first few years of Disney Plus, I feel like has been testing the waters. What works, what doesn't, Mm -hmm. show length, episode length, you know, what is the appetite from the audience? How many shows can we do a year when they've also got properties like Star Wars and other things to be working on? So, yeah, I think scaling uh, back a little bit perhaps would help the quality control. Uh, and that way, when a show does drop, maybe we are a little bit more excited about it. How do you feel about the thought? Because I almost feel a little bit like, all right, cool. You guys have already shown me that I don't really have to watch these shows. I'll mm-hmm. be okay. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like, I'm already kind of conditioning myself that like, 
I didn't watch what was it, Miss Marvel. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch She Hulk. Mm. I don't really feel like I missed anything if I'm being honest. Right. You know what I mean? Like I'm walking into Kang tomorrow and yeah. I'm like like I'll be all right. I'm okay. not gonna miss anything. Even if I'm walking into the Marvels, I feel like I could probably just watch that post credit scene and I'll be okay. Sure. You know what I mean? Like uh it's starting to feel like a lot of these things are missable. Yeah. And I wonder if the damage has already been done. I guess that comes down to a personal choice, you know. Everyone's gonna be like, you know, do I feel as invested in these characters? Like what version of these characters is Disney Plus and the MCU giving us, right? So for me, I wanna taste it all, good and bad, right? Mm-hmm. Am I into this character? Am I not into this character? And I'll want every little bit of information, the post-credit scenes, the full fleshed out characters in the season. Like I personally, like I said before, I actually really liked Miss Marvel and yeah. um I thought that the way they told the story was really, really cool. And so I'm glad personally that I have that context going into the Marvels. Yeah, you know, the weird thing is I do feel like a sense of like, all right, cool. I probably should watch that show before the actual Miss Mar- the Marvels movie comes out. But I definitely get the sense that like, all right, stuff's missable. It's fine. It's not sure. going to be a big deal. You know what's going to be cool is after the fact. Like if after you've watched the movie, if you feel like there's any regret. Yeah, if yeah, if yeah, after yeah. the movie you feel like, you know what, man? I kind of didn't understand the context here. Did I miss something on the yeah, show? That's yeah. going to be on you, right? I have a feeling that uh, they're going to try to create like that scene of like all of those three big characters kind of coming together. And like that's going to be like lost on people who really don't care about the character from Ms. Marvel. <laughs> Ms. Marvel. Kamala Khan? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Well, yeah. the funny thing is, is even <laughs> the first Captain Marvel movie wasn't that well received either. And yeah. the funny thing is, it performed fantastically well at the box office only because it was the last movie before Endgame. Yeah. Right? So they kind of, kind of just shoved that in there and all of a sudden we're like, oh, Endgame's around the corner. We have to watch this because there's going to be something connected to that movie, yeah. which kind of really drove the audience attendance. To it also one. tells me at the end of the day, like if they're doing fewer shows that means that what they were hoping for from the shows just didn't work and like they had to readjust and like re-strategize because like obviously the shows didn't land the same way they thought they were gonna maybe or it could be and we're just kind of uh hypothesizing here but maybe they've just introduced all of the characters that they wanted to introduce yeah. for this particular phase and they're like all right we've introduced them now we don't need like a second season of miss marvel or a second season of whatever other show mm-hmm. she hulk for example right yeah. um then again there's shows that were universally praised like loki and we are just chomping at the bit for that second season yeah so um yeah i, I like the idea of them being a little bit more selective moving forward yeah i agree with that um next thing is that apparently Kevin Feige also mentioned that they have the story for Spider-Man 4. They said our writers are just putting pen to paper now. Nice. I'm curious to see like what how, how do you get out of No Way Home where it was basically like an event that actually felt like an Avengers level movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? As much as we make fun of like the idea that they hype every single movie like an Avengers level movie and yeah. speaking of he also said <laughs> the Marvels is an Avengers level movie and it's like uh, that kind of has watered down as far as like hype for me but for like Spider-Man 4, they're coming off like this massive event. Yeah. I'm very curious to see where they go. Do they still have John Watts? Like, I, I, I'm, I don't know. What are they going to do with this franchise? I feel like with like, if you call it the Homecoming trilogy, I think that was one arc. Yeah. Right? One character arc. And I feel like the fourth movie almost need to be the beginning of a new arc. Yeah. Right? And I'm actually excited because the way things let, you know, leave off at the, the end of the movie is 
No one knows his identity. So how does he struggle with that? It's most likely going to be him kind of going to work for the Daily Bugle as a photographer. He's not in high school and college anymore. He's a little bit older. And he's a a single lad, you know, working and living in New York. And I like that progression for Tom Holland as well. And, And also we're getting him making his own suit. So he's not reliant on Iron Man technology anymore. All that kind of stuff is fascinating to me. It really is to me too. And also... Like you mentioned, the idea that he's not in high school anymore because we have like, you know, this was supposed to be like a fun new Spider-Man that was very young that we never really got before. Mm. Now we're entering the part where essentially he's almost at the same age as like what Tobey Maguire would have been when he started that Spider-Man. So this is like their version of that part of it. Spider-Man is actually a man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's not Spider-Boy anymore. But yeah, uh, yeah, I'm very curious to see where they go with that. Also, huge anticipation for uh, Cocaine Bear obviously coming up soon. Uh, Elizabeth Banks mentioned that she would be interested in directing Cocaine Shark. So apparently they're doing a cocaine franchise now. Apparently there's a true story where a shark did cocaine and she's like, yeah, Jaws with cocaine. I don't see how that loses. I'm all for it. I'm already so hyped about Cocaine Bear and I saw this story too and I'm like, the stars have aligned here. Like if Cocaine Bear really, really delivers, right? And there's an opportunity to make a sequel. Cocaine Shark is just like perfect. It sounds kind of crazy, but it sounds like yeah, that makes a, like a lot of sense because they haven't had a really great shark movie in a very long time. It's like an unexplored genre, mm-hmm. man. This is like the most out there story I think this week, and it's Vin Diesel. He says he wants Robert Downey Jr. in the next Fast and Furious film. He said there is a character who is the antithesis of Dom. Every fucking character in the Fast and Furious franchise that's a villain is the antithesis of John of uh, of Dom, and he says that he's going to be promoting AI and driverless cars, and that that's at direct odds. With the Toretto mentality. <laughs> how is that How is that a direct odds with the Toretto mentality? Like, I don't even see what he sees in the character anymore. Listen, I think uh, Vin Diesel's mindset is what we see in Fast and Furious movies, man. Nothing makes sense. Nothing has to make sense. And nothing has to make sense. <laughs> but God damn it, we're going to watch it. And we're going to shut our brains down for a few hours and see what happens. It's kind of crazy how that franchise has, like, some next-level massive stars. Like, Getting Robert Downey Jr. sounds crazy to me, but it's not like it's out of the realm possibility. Well, here's the thing. They make a billion dollars every single time. So it's not as if they don't have the budget for it. And they have diehard fans. There are diehard Fast and Furious stands out there that are are literally like to to take a a quote from the movies. They're ride or die. Yeah, yeah, exactly, man. Uh, It's going to be interesting because like this feels like a story that is so obvious. And like we've seen it like a million times in like so many other franchises. Like, Mm -hmm. ooh. AI. Like, yeah, all right, yeah, cool. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. It feels like it's going to be super dumb, but I guess that's why we're here for it. Right. And the last thing is that Anna de Armas had mentioned that she, they were doing a, uh, I think it was like a Vanity Fair article. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about how like the concept of movie stars has disappeared. And we've talked about this before, but her quote was because of social media, there's so much information out there and oversharing. The, the concept of a movie star is someone untouchable. You only see on screen. That mystery is gone. I couldn't agree more. Mm. Uh, facts. You're speaking facts right there. Yeah. And it's interesting that like the, I, I was seeing the cover and it had like Anna Dear Maz, Kiki Palmer, Jonathan Majors and Aaron Taylor Johnson, like just a whole bunch of movie stars. And like when I look at that, I'm like, wow, like Hollywood looks great for the future. And like that's not even including like Timothy Chalamet and like Tom Holland and all these other people that are on the come up. Yeah. And it feels like they have such a strong roster but it is very true that nobody really feels like a massive movie star. Like the same way, like there's that clip of uh, Steven Spielberg telling Tom Cruise, like you saved Hollywood. Like 
imagine telling that to anybody like on that list, right? Like I wonder yeah. if anybody would be able to definitively say that. Yeah. And I, and I think the idea of the Hollywood movie star is just, it still applies, but it's just different. Yeah. Right. It's not what it meant. Like, 50 years ago 20 years ago 10 years ago even five years ago it's the game has changed and you know movies like top gun maverick for example don't work without a tom cruise arnold schwarzenegger back in the day was able to green light movies you know with a flick of his uh, wrist and these days it's not driven by stars for the most part i almost right? think about a movie like babylon where the whole premise of the movie is built based on like how you want to be a star in yeah. hollywood I wonder what like a modern version of that would almost look like because mm. it doesn't feel like uh, that glitz and glamour yeah. is exactly still there. It's there, but it's almost like now we've seen so much behind the lens that we know that that TikTok stops and they just have a normal life after. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. And it's like very weird. It's almost like because of social media, everything has been so overexposed that everyone understands now. I think the thing about back in the day, everything was just like a part of the machine, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like we don't see behind the smoke and mirrors as the audience. We just see the late night TV show appearance. We see the red carpet. We back in the day open the newspaper and we kind of see some images from last night's premiere in yeah. your in your local city whereas now it's like a a 30 second instagram reel and we've moved on to the next one and that's just what it is it's weird because like a part of me very much understands like that old hollywood mentality of like don't tell people how you're feeling they don't want to see that part of you they just want to see like glitz of glamour and yeah like, all like the highlights and stuff like that but now that i feel like we have asked to see all that other stuff it's almost like you can't pull that curtain back anymore but then right. again it's, it's kind of kind of funny with social media it's like without social media some of these actors and directors they don't have the opportunity to perhaps make movies so for yeah. example the snyder cut doesn't happen without a social media campaign True right there are some actors that have such a massive social media following that a studio would probably want to have them assigned to one of their pictures because they know that once they start promoting on social media they're gonna that's gonna try and help pop that opening weekend yeah. it's a it's a completely different way of marketing than it used to be back in the day yeah. but it's really really important these days yeah it's, it's a weird generational change that's happening right now yeah. i'm just so curious to see what hollywood looks like in like 20 years because mm. it's gonna look so different from right now and uh, we're in like a weird little transition period where they're not gonna re- be able to rely on like a Martin Scorsese or a Quentin Tarantino or a Leonardo DiCaprio or something like that, Who, whoever's next is going to be facing like really interesting new challenges going forward. And honestly, I don't even think that's a bad idea. Like I almost feel like it's instead of it being driven by who's in the movie. And again, you know, sometimes there are movies where I'm like, oh, I want to see that person. Don't get me wrong. But it's almost like there's going to be more pressure to make sure, right, what movie are we making here? What story are we telling? Yeah. Is it just another, um, you know, a franchise piece or are we just hitting, doing a remake or is it something really unique and interesting like that should always be the hook yeah. it's like what is the premise what's the story what's the plot what's like the idea of this movie what's going to attract you in right yeah, yeah, exactly. and I almost feel like that should always try and be at the forefront it just hasn't been because we are so interested as as people as 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 audiences as human beings in celebrity and 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 big movie stars and that's just how it's always been you know we spoke about fast and furious a little bit earlier on again i'm just throwing this out there but like does future fast and furious movies a work and b are they as profitable without vin diesel because like the one example we well the one or slash one or two examples that we have 
is Too Fast, Too Furious, which was the, the, the second movie that he didn't appear in. And then there was Tokyo Drift. And they just weren't as successful yeah. as the original. And they weren't as successful uh, as the movies that came after, which he came back for. I think, uh, right? yeah, I think that that specific franchise only works because of a guy like Vin Diesel. Yeah. I, I mean, like it only worked because of Vin Diesel and like Paul Walker and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then like, if you then start talking about superhero movies, right? It's like, and, and DC and MCU are completely different things at the moment, but it's like DC, there's like so many, you know, you know, actors playing Batman, right? And we've only had one Thor, for example, right? If they say, hey, we're making a new Thor movie, or, you know, Hemsworth's not around anymore, we're going to just cast so-and-so in this movie, in this um, role moving forward. Yeah. Does it have the same impact? Or is, are, are, like, you know, MCU stands like, yo, we're going to come out and support because this is an MCU movie. We yeah. watch it regardless. You know what's a weird thing also? I feel like we're kind of like transitioning out of this phase of like, um, actually, I don't even know if we're transitioning out of it, but there's so many franchises right now, they're like 20 years old. Mm. And, like, how long can you keep those things going? It's fascinating, right? Until you move on to the next thing. Yeah. Because, like you mentioned, Fast and Furious has been around for, like, 20 years. The MCU been around for, like, 15 years. And, like, we've been watching DC movies our entire life. Like, all these things that have been around for so, so long. At what point do we just move on? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm curious to see what Hollywood's going to... Because, like, are they just going to repeat these IPs? Like, are they just going to keep going back to the well? I mean, if history tells us anything, that's exactly what they do. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> of course. That's what works. That's what's yeah. weird. Obviously, that's what works. But, like... Like, we've got a, a third Creed movie coming out uh, in in a matter of weeks, I think. And it's essentially just the the um the spiritual brother sister of the rocky franchise yeah. which has been around since 1978 that, and like, that's the other thing right like let's say we just <laughs> said like it wouldn't work without vin diesel right but like let's say you know there's a character there's somebody who get, gets cast as dom's son and now there's a whole new mm. generation of fast and furious that would probably actually end up working to be honest. Like, <laughs> it probably would probably make a lot of money yeah um but yeah let's get into uh the movie we're doing this week it's been 25 years since titanic was released let's get into uh titanic titanic was called the ship of dreams And it was, it really was. So first and gentlemen, I think the most important thing we should bring up is the fact that this is like a massively important movie, not only to the film industry, Mm. but can you give us context of why this is like a big movie for you? Oh yeah. First of all, you know, it was actually the first James Cameron movie I watched in the cinema, which is kind of like wild because I was too young to watch. uh, Well, the first Terminator movie was, literally released the same month i was born mm. aliens the abyss too young terminator 2 too young true lies too young and back then in the uk like they were i don't know how it was here in canada but they were really strict on yeah if you don't look old enough we're gonna id you yeah. you can't walk into this movie that's like an 18 rated movie or anything like that right and so and, and at that point you know leading up to the release of titanic in 1997 i was already such a massive james cameron fan massive terminator fan i'm like oh finally i get to see a Cameron movie you know in the cinema uh but then years later i actually ended up doing a, a, my dissertation on hollywood blockbusters using titanic as an example and uh, and it was like my favorite thing i wrote um the favorite project i worked on while i was a student and um yeah it was it was just you know i remember everything the research that i did i remember at the time before the movie came out every single month you know buying three or four magazines 
because that's what you had to do at that time. Yeah, the internet was still fairly young. There, there wasn't like online reports. Yeah. You would get like monthly magazines to find out the latest behind the scenes on production. And this movie went through production hell. And James Cameron was under so much pressure to deliver because it went way over budget. Like the idea of a movie these days costing one or 200 million is like, yeah, par for the norm, right? Yeah, yeah. But um, back then it was a massive, massive deal. Yeah, I just uh, have very, very fond memories of not just... Um, the build-up to Titanic, but watching it in the theatre, but then also kind of writing about it as a student uh, in the early 2000s. How many times have you seen Titanic? I probably have seen it, I would say, around five or six times, and I haven't seen it in years. Yeah. Like, the last... Like, I can talk about Titanic with you on this podcast today, and I haven't seen it in years. There's no need for me to re-watch it, to refresh my memory on anything, because, like, it's like... Imprinted into my mind. Yeah. I've seen it enough, and I've studied the crap out of it. I know this movie, <laughs> of course. I, yeah, I, I yeah, fully yeah. believe you. But yeah. like the the weird thing is like, as much as they did like a 4K release and an yeah. IMAX release, I don't know. I feel like I, I don't know if this movie needs that because mm. I rewatched it uh, just for my own benefit of like just remembering it again. Sure, and I I was like watching it, and it's like I understand the scale of the Titanic is big, but like this doesn't feel like a movie that is necessary of a remaster right is that, a, is that like i don't know how, how do you feel about them like remastering older movies that may or may not even need it yeah it's a weird one right because i know why they're doing it it's just to make more money of course it's yeah. always to make more money of course but uh cameron's had that treatment for all of his movies so terminator aliens the abyss terminator 2 they've had multiple remastered versions um 4k i think titanic and you correct me if i'm wrong here it's imax and uh 3d conversion yeah, yeah, yeah. right at the moment yeah and that's a new release celebrating 25 years so and i'm sure like with technology getting better and better i wouldn't be surprised if in like 10 15 20 years there's like some crazy vr version of yeah. all these movies so it's 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 only um you know, normal for any studio or, or company that owns the IP to figure out new ways of generating revenue from it. Can I can I ask you? Oh, but also by the way, the fact that it's releasing in cinema again is pretty cool, just for a generation of um, film fans that didn't get to watch it in the cinema and maybe want that experience. You know, when I remember being a kid and I remember thinking like, I get that this was like the biggest movie ever, but like it doesn't land with me. I'm, right. I'm a kid. You yeah, know? yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I, it was weird because like obviously it's like a very romantic story, but I'm like five years old or whatever sure. when it came out. Yeah. I feel like almost now, I, I can't have an objective opinion about Titanic. Right. Because at the end of the day, I watched it when I was too young, when it yep. actually came out. So mm-hmm. I'm not able to grasp the, the the context of like why this movie was very important in the 90s. But then at the same time, I feel like this movie is so iconic with like so many massive moments that just don't get to land anymore because they're huge moments in pop culture. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like King of the World and all that kind of stuff. Like, that doesn't feel... I don't feel anything. Right. Because I already know that thing, not only by, like, uh, through, like, seeing Titanic before, but seeing it be parodied, like, a million billion times, not only on TV, but in real life. If you go on a ship or any kind of boat, somebody's going to do that. Yep. Somebody's going to do that. That's how iconic this movie is. I almost uh, have a hard time, like, reviewing it because it's like, how do you evaluate a rewatch or evaluate a movie when it doesn't feel like anything feels... Not original, but like nothing lands because you you know what's about to happen. This is fascinating because like you are really kind of getting your not your first experience, but your real experience watching it in 2023 as an adult, as an adult, right? Yeah. Whereas kind of I watched it so 1997. I'm 13 or 14 years old, right? And I watched it twice in the cinema. And this is a really important part about the history contextually in terms of why I made so much money. 
So the first time I watched it was with a friend of mine, right? And again, we're just like movie buffs, love Cameron. We're like hyped to watch it opening weekend. Then a couple of weeks later, I watch it with a girl that I'm dating in high school, right? Because it was just the thing to do. Yeah. And the cool thing about Titanic is it got a lot of rewatchability. People watched it a second and a third time. And the other cool thing about the cinema experience, from my memory anyway, was when you looked around, men, women of all ages, right? Because it ticked every demo box you could think of, especially for the late 90s, right? So that's why it was so successful. And then if you think about everything else tied into it, Celine Dion's song, My Heart Will Go On, was like 15 weeks number one, Grammy Award winning, just at the peak of her powers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything, marketing, PR, um, even things like merchandise, right? How do you you make good Titanic merchandise? Well, you've got books and artifacts. And then all of a sudden, you've got Leonardo DiCaprio, who becomes the biggest heartthrob. His poster is on every single girl's uh, bedroom wall. Yeah. And, And then on top of that, Kate Winslet, you know, really comes through in this movie with a fantastic performance but everybody was kind of worried like because you know that you this movie just made leo it made him mm-hmm. he's gonna be go- to the moon for the next 30 years which is proven to be the case 100 percent. kate winslet was always the one is she gonna be the casualty yeah, and yeah. for quite a long time post titanic she was but god bless her look at her run look at you know in 2023 Hell what yeah. she's accomplished movie and tv shows and i'm so glad to see her come through the other side of titanic which she has spoken about and so has leo in terms of how it can almost stereotype you it can box you in and it can really stop you getting other opportunities in the film world yeah i find that very interesting because i thought I, the same thing when i was watching this movie i'm thinking leo is so charismatic like he just carries this massive like big dick energy around these rich people right and it's like that's what makes you really care about him i feel like the charisma of leonardo dicaprio really carries this movie for me on like a personal rewatch basis but kate winslet that's a really interesting one because she i didn't like her in this movie oh wow like i I really don't it's because i have a hard time caring about almost like 99 percent of these characters right got you right like when the ship goes down i'm almost like i sympathize with the ship right (laughs) okay okay. like i'm not even worried about these characters going down like i don't know like by the first two acts almost like make me not like anybody by the time you get to the end the only person that goddamn dies like that you care about is like leo you know what i mean like I, i don't know I feel like they would approach this movie so differently today. Like there would be so much more of the angle of the tragedy as opposed to building up. Like the first two acts are like just us like getting to know these characters and Mm. getting to care about them. I feel like more today would be about how tragic the situation was. And they would be talking about very different characters today. It's fascinating that you mentioned that specific because I don't know how it would be made today, but that was actually the big challenge of getting this movie greenlit and actually made. It was like, what's the hook? Like, we know what happens. Yeah. Chip hits iceberg sinks. So what's the hook? And that's where Cameron had to write in this love story Mm -hmm. into the movie. Like, that is what anchors you in. And that's why ultimately you care when Leo dies at the end of the movie. Yeah. Because you are invested in this character. Exactly. And you you are so bummed out that he passes away. And then you kind of get all the flashbacks and everything throughout the movie of this woman ended up living the best life, you know, post what she had with this experience with Jack. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I completely agree with that. Because at the end of the day, like, I have a really hard time caring about like most of these uh older richer characters because it seems like okay cool like boohoo like you were on your massive vacation and like even like the kate winslet character i i find like i have a hard time 
kind of understanding her progression as a character because mm. she really starts off immediately very posh yeah and then we don't really see much happen to like justify her really changing her character mm. right like i feel like billy zane's character is really being like obviously like a jerk and like he's being a dick and uh, he's treating her like shit but at the end of the day like it feels like that might be par for the course for their relationship but nothing really happens to like get us there yeah like, it almost feels it's weird because of watching this movie it's three hours long yeah but i still felt like the first two hours were like very rushed in terms of character development right because like i don't get to the point where like i'm I, I understand their relationship because you only really see these big moments happen but you don't really get a chance to like understand why they care about each other well the movie starts with breakneck speed it's like jack winning a ticket through poker yeah right all of a sudden okay cool i'm off to new york i'm gonna jump on this ship and all of a sudden he's on the ship yeah and those character development moments with kate Winslet's character literally only happen with her interactions with jack yeah so it's yeah, one exactly. of those things if those if those land with you then you're on for the ride if they don't land with you which in case i feel like it doesn't, doesn't land with yeah. you then yeah you're not going to really care about her character in yeah. the long term i almost think like um like I care so much about the Leo character. Like I, I don't care about most of these secondary characters. I wonder if that's a common criticism for James Cameron movies. Because like obviously a lot of people they don't really talk about the characters when they talk about Avatar, right? Mm-hmm. Like well, I almost wonder if like the grand scale of like what they were seeing is that what the hook was at the time? Because I almost look at a like is that how people feel about when when they watch Avatar now? Like uh, when they're shitting on it? Like are they shitting on it because they don't get sucked into the world and everything else kind of falls out? I don't know. It's an interesting one. Like, I've always felt invested. Like, I mean, I'm just kind of going through the Cameron catalog here. Like, Terminator cared about Kyle Reese, cared about Sarah Connor, right? Even cared about Arnold as a Terminator. Yeah. Those are the three main characters, right? In, you know, Alien. Well, I mean, almost like everybody outside of that. It's weird because this is almost like a who's who of, yeah. like, great character actors that are not the stars yeah. right? like like Victor Garner who obviously is famous for like 24 and like Jonathan Hyde who I would remember more for like Jumanji yeah right he's fantastic yeah, 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 but like, yeah, yeah even in this movie like I don't care about him right but like I really like him as an actor but for some reason like I don't care about those characters even Kathy Bates character I don't know like I'm, I'm almost like drawn to to Leo obviously he's like the biggest star in the movie but like yeah. for me it's almost like we didn't get to explore really much else beyond that love story it could be the fact that one of the things about Cameron films outside of story plot character is spectacle yeah, right? yeah. and so much of his movies are about size and spectacle and funnily enough like my dissertation was on blockbusters right and this movie was a blockbuster movie. Yeah. Right? But it was so different to everything Cameron had done in the past, right? Cameron, prior to Titanic, it was science fiction and it was action. Yeah. Now, he's making a period movie. It's real-life events. It's a romantic love story, a complete departure from everything he had done before. But he still fuses the whole spectacle of the event, i.e., the Titanic, this ship, the iceberg hitting, the Titanic kind of splitting in two and slowly sinking. Like the last hour is literally that whole situation and people yeah. dying and, you know, going into the Titanic. It's kind of like being swollen up with water. And that is probably kind of where the action side of Cameron's directing or filmmaking kind of goes into full gear. Yeah. And that's where it gets obviously the most interesting. Right. Like genuinely, like as the movie's going on, I'm just like, all right, cool. Let's go through this. Let's get through this. Let's get to the. Let's get to the interesting part. Almost, right. right. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's yeah. kind of like how I was feeling. There were so many moments in this movie where I almost know I'm. Wa- like, I mean, not almost. I know I'm watching this through the lens of like modern fan. Yeah. 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 But I'm also like, what the hell's going on here? There's so many weird things that when you watch this movie, like first off, how bored were people just waving at the ship? 
We gotta think of some weird slow activities to fill the day. And they did. Have you ever seen like old film from the past <laughs> of people just like waving at a ship? Like... <laughs> what if I called you now to do that? Hey, what are you doing Monday at 10 a.m.? All right, there's a Norwegian cruise line leaving from Martinique. Here's my plan. You and me get very dressed up, including hats, and then we wave handkerchiefs at it till it disappears over the horizon. I don't know anyone on the ship. They're just waving at the ship. That's a funny thing. That actually happened. I know, of course. That's, that's Isn't a that wild... a weird cultural thing? It's a, it's a, is it though? Because like, for example, when you, when you think about big moments of human ingenuity and engineering, mm. right? Like when the, even now, Cape Canaveral, every time a rocket is being launched, there's a, there's a sea of people there with their phones out. They want to be a part of that moment, that right? That is very interesting. And yeah. I think that's just part, like for example, I know whenever we send the first human beings on a rocket ship to Mars, there's going to be a massive amount of people that are going to be just congregating just to kind of see them off and wave. It's just like, you almost want to be a part of the moment, I think. Yeah, yeah. I actually... Very much. I'm just a spoiled. I'm spo- <laughs> I'm spoiled for experience. I'm just thinking like, who the fuck cares about a boat? Right, <laughs> it's right, like, right. Oh, yeah, they didn't have boats that big at the time. Yeah. Can you imagine <laughs> in 30 years? Oh, did you see all these like Kanye West fans going up to these like local installations in their yeah. cities? Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, what, what was that about? <laughs> who, who the fuck cares? Yeah. <laughs> but also, like, there's so many moments in this movie that are just like absolutely hilarious for me. When she like spits a loogie onto Billy Zane's face. It's as if she's been storing that loogie. Yeah, it was solid, man. It's humongous. Yeah. It's like crazy. It's, for me, that's the most unrealistic part of this movie. I wonder how many takes that took as well. Yo, honestly, they had to like <laughs> work on that loogie because yeah. it's humongous. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder the special effects department kind of figured out some sort of like uh, solution uh, to figure out how to make that. Yeah. You know what's crazy also is the, uh, like I'm sure this is like common knowledge for like Cameron friends, but like the Gloria Stewart who played Rose, the older version, mm-hmm. um, she lived to 100 as well. Mm. What kind of poetic irony is that? Wild, Isn't man. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, so crazy. I also really do, uh, on a positive note, I really do enjoy Billy Zane in this movie. He's mm. fantastic. I'm almost like bummed out that he never really, he was like a casualty of this movie. Like he never really got to have like a run after this. Yeah. It's funny, Billy Zane, he goes back to the original Back to the Future movie, man. He's always been there or thereabouts, playing bit part characters here and there, yeah. but never really had like the leading man spot in any movie. I want to give a shout out to the late, great Bill Paxton, man. This guy is just fantastic in every single Cameron movie. You watch True Lies, completely different guy. Watch Aliens, completely different guy. And Titanic, once again, he's just been one of those uh, character actors that I feel like if he's the leading man in a movie like Twister or if he's just, you know, a part of an ensemble like he has been with a lot of, you know, Cameron movies, he just makes sure, like, his minutes on screen are well worth it. I really, really, really like his performance in this movie. Yeah. He's I, so funny. There, There's um, a ton of other moments I could bring up, but I really want to get into some of our categories. Cause, sure. Yeah. Uh, let's get into best character. Who I, I obviously am going to lean towards Leo. Yeah. And for all those reasons, I feel like he's like the the charisma vacuum like he is just the one that you care about on the screen every time he's on it yep uh who do you who do you have like for for best character it's leo like i don't know how it can't be leo if i'm being honest with you whether it's a an adult rewatch in 2023 or 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 even back then it's just you knew a star is born Mm -hmm. you just knew and like you know if you really knew about you know what's eating gilbert grape and some of the other performances that he'd already given up like basketball diaries and something else right you like okay this guy can act he can legitimately act 
And it's like, all right, not, not only can he act, he can be Hollywood's leading man. He can, I, he can do both things here. I remember reading that he actually was considering not doing this role because he was like, this isn't challenging enough. Yeah. That's a crazy thought as well because right. obviously it's the most iconic role of his career, maybe? Is it the most iconic role of his career? That's a, that's a great question because he's had quite a few. Yeah. He's had quite a few. Let's look at him now. Like, is he didn't win the Oscar for it. Yeah. So, like, do you kind of go to the movie that won him the Oscar as more of an iconic Isn't role? weird? Revenant feels like almost like he got the award and he deserved it that year. Yeah. But I wouldn't put Revenant as, like, top five. I agree. Like, I feel like his role in The Departed is super iconic. Uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street, like there's, yeah. There's so many things, like even like Django, like there's just so many different characters that I care about so much more. I find so much more interesting than like The Revenant or as Jack. Yeah. Right? And then e- either one, like I find... I think when you're trying to like, when you look up the word iconic in the dictionary, I think a movie like Titanic ticks a lot of those boxes, it's weird, right? right? Because yeah. it, it, it fits the scale. Yeah. But at the same time, like if it's like, ooh... Have you seen Wolf of Wall Street though? Right, right, right. <laughs> like this is like the most memorable performance. You know what? It's almost like those, you know, it's always the first, not, I wouldn't say like the breakthrough because like, for example, Arnie wasn't Terminator first. Like there were like other roles he had prior to Terminator, right? Yeah. But like people think of him as Terminator as the iconic role. Yeah, yeah, even yeah. though he's got Conan and, and other, other great roles in his kind of resume, right? And I think the same thing with Leo here. I just feel like, it's the first major breakthrough blockbuster. It swept the Oscars, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And he was on every single girl's, you know, bedroom war as a poster. That feels like, yeah, that's iconic. It is great, though, that like Leo and Kate, they obviously like took the success what happened here. But they really delved into their craft so hard that they like gave us a massively successful run of all these amazing roles that we're still like obviously seeing today. And they're not done the runs, but yeah. like think of like the early 2000s or in like the 2010s and like just the run that they had and the performances that they had just absolutely incredible i always thought kate winslet almost felt like um like oh yeah she'll probably be nominated for an oscar like there was just a period of time where she was getting nominated left and right for everything yeah 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 Uh, and a quick note back on leo for a second i do remember like once titanic came out and it went on this like and again people need to remember this wasn't like oh opening weekend four weekends at the box office that's how it's made its money No, no 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 this went on a freaking like 20, 30, 40. It was the whole year. It was just chipping away, making money every single week. It was a slow burn back in the day. And because of that, Leo decided to take a break, a, a long break. And his follow-up movie, The Beach, didn't come out until I think a year and a half after, or maybe even close to two years after Titanic. Because I think people were so consumed with his role as Jack that I think he needed some like time so people can just like breathe a little yeah, bit yeah. so that he, before he kind of like goes on the on you know eventually like a goat level run yeah exactly it's kind of crazy how he became like one of the most iconic actors ever mm, like he's yeah. in like the biggest movie and he's like one of the best actors ever right like, that's a that's it doesn't crazy. happen that's, yeah. that's insane yeah Oh, talking about Kate Winslet, she's now in like the two of the what, the three, four highest grossing movies of all time. Yeah. Cause she's an avatar, the way of water as well. Yeah. Pretty cool. And Insane, I like the man. fact that she's back working with Cameron as well. Yeah, yeah, me too. You know, one thing I will say as far as like small little honorable mention best characters, I really do love the band. I, I get it. Like they're going down with the ship, all that kind of stuff. But they're just like, they have so much dignity and conviction and like, they're just like standing on that thing and just doing this. They accept the fact that like, all right, cool. This is this is not going to happen for us. We're dead. That moment in the movie, I think might be one of the most used gifts yeah. 
of the movie as well because yeah. it's just like anyone anyone anyone's like oh i'm going down with the ship yeah, like yeah. i'm about to get fired yeah, or like exactly. whatever that you know, that's the guest the gift and, to use and i get it like i i almost like sympathize with those characters the most right. they're just awesome guys um what about best scene i'm very curious to see where you kind of end up with that um again i did this dissertation on the idea of the hollywood blockbuster and titanic is a blockbuster and we've spoken about cameron and him bringing real spectacle to the screen nothing screams that more to me than the moment the titanic hits the iceberg Mm. starts to break up and the moment it splits in two like i remember like there wasn't an imax back then but like i just remember being what 14 years old and watching it at my local cinema when that breaks up the sheer size of of how he's done that on screen really came through for me as a kid. Yeah. And uh, I just think it's a, a breathtaking, masterfully, really, really well done scene. It's so weird because obviously I'm watching this as an adult. Yeah. All like the special effects and none of that, obviously it's not going to land the same way. Yeah. Right. And it's hard for me, but I, I think, I, I think like even like when I think about it myself as a film fan, that's probably true about like modern films as well. Like I'm yeah. not, like I'm not going to watch like a Marvel movie and be like, that big effect was like really impactful for me it's more like um like all the character work and all that kind of stuff and it's and it, it it's very like i can imagine it's very difficult for something to actually feel like it's really impactful as a special effect and that's mm. what i i, I kind of reference that to uh, avatar way of water because that's the only time i've really felt that in a very very long time where i've cared about the actual effects and the visuals that I'm seeing to to that degree. Yeah, and even going back to Titanic is like special effects have come such a long way in the last 30, 40 years, but when they were making this movie, it was still a mix of special effects and practical effects. Uh, they made a large portion of the Titanic from scratch. Yeah. To just to kind of like create a lot of the the scenes and breaking it apart and doing all that kind of stuff, right? So like that doesn't happen anymore. People are so reliant on special effects. They're, they're remaking it, right? They're remaking the, the ship, right? I, I think I heard they're actually making the Titanic. I too. had no idea. Are they? Are they? I'm pretty sure they're remaking the ship. Interesting. Would you go on that? I feel like it's cursed, man. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I would have a lot uh, less stress in this day and age where, like, all right, if something bad happened, we got the technology for yeah. someone to fly in and figure it out, and, and all that kind of. There's no kind of like you know the brown people are going to be downstairs in the belly of the ship, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. any of that kind of stuff going on. But yeah, I'd still probably be a little little apprehensive yeah. about going on. <laughs> it's weird, right? Because yeah. you'd go on a cruise otherwise. Yeah. Actually, it's funny. That's the one thing I haven't done yet as an adult. I haven't been on a cruise. Yeah. Like I've been on a ship. Like I've been from like. Calais to Bordeaux like you know from England to France on a ship yeah which is like an hour yeah yeah, right and I've been from like Singapore to Macau on a ship which is like an hour and an hour and a half something Mm. but an actual cruise where you're out deep in the ocean no I haven't done that man yeah yeah it's definitely uh, it's definitely an experience it is I want to do it one time yeah for sure Uh, what about as far as star rating where where do you end up with Titanic so I gave it a four out of five stars like which is still a a really good solid rating I think it's a great rating yeah um Cameron won an Oscar, right, for this movie, and it swept the Oscars yeah. that year. It's like one of the, it's like it's it's up there with like one of the movies that's won the most Oscars when you kind of like stack them all up against um, one another. It isn't my favorite Cameron movie though. Yeah, yeah. Right. There's, there's, I it, bet it's probably like the least favorite Cameron it's, movie. It's like I haven't actually ranked my Cameron movies, but I would put it as low as like um, Titanic and I would say Abyss would be at the bottom mm-hmm. of my Cameron list. Yeah, with like. Terminator, Terminator 2, Aliens, and then Avatar and Avatar The Way of Water making up my top five. Yeah. 
but yeah i mean like it's still a, a you know a really good watch i, I feel like it's still something that <laughs> holds water in 2023 <laughs> but um i feel like it's also a movie that generationally will have a different impact depending so. on who you are when you're watching it and how desensitized you may be to the level of special effects we're all accustomed to but also the storytelling and you know how really far and that's the cool thing about tv and movies by the way it's like we want to be intellectually pushed yeah. as members of the audience in terms of getting away from the stereotypes and the cliches and really telling nuanced stories when it comes to like love and romance yes. and all this kind of stuff and this is a movie this from like the mid that. to late 90s exactly right so it's going to you've got to almost view it from that lens and that time period yeah. just like you would watching a love story from the 1940s exactly exactly i completely agree with that cuz at the end of the day you're right this is like 90s like they're like peak 90s like if you really want to say it, it's like 90s like cornball romantic movie right and like if you watch movies from the 90s with like without the context of understanding that there there are like really over the top romantic moments that they're still doing be like as like a symptom of like old hollywood mm. that doesn't happen these days yeah, and it yeah. feels very disingenuous and mm-hmm. i think that's what kind of gets lost on uh for me as a rewatch at the same time i also mentioned like i i don't know i i still felt like it was kind of like a bit boring at the start and like the first two acts didn't really build up and again sympathizing with the ship but like I found like almost a movie just to compare it to like something more recent like a movie like Triangle of Sadness makes this movie feel weird you know what I mean because when we watch Triangle of Sadness it's all nuance and Mm. it's all understanding like different like classism factors and all that kind of stuff and and it's so high level that movie it's so high level and and when I watch something like this now I'm almost like like to watch like the workers kind of go down doing their job is like distressing to me because it's like what do you like how do you view your own life to like just be while the ship is literally on the way down you're still just so concerned about like order Mm. and uh i don't know it's like a weird thing it doesn't feel like i'm watching human beings sometimes it feels like i'm just i know i'm watching a story yeah but it doesn't feel like i'm watching characters that like feel at all relatable for me i ended up scoring this uh a three and um i was honestly like thinking even like uh, the rating was going higher as the movie was going on mm-hmm. right like it was starting off lower because i just couldn't get myself to care about anybody yeah yeah but as it went on like obviously it, it kind of redeems itself in the end of like being much more interesting and i i really do believe that if james cameron was making this movie today it'd be like a very different movie yeah, yeah. i don't think he probably would make this movie today mm. and again you have to almost then uh, respect the fact that coming off of like Terminator 2 and True Lies that yeah. were like massive box office you know hits it, to this day it still feels like it doesn't make sense to me that this is a James Cameron movie. what a left hand he it took it does not feel like a James Cameron and movie you know what I love about the fact that this was the movie that won him the Oscar and like this became one of the you know highest grossing movies of all time I just love the fact that this is the movie that means you can't pigeonhole James Cameron yes he he can't ever be like oh he's the sci-fi action guy sorry He's proven the fact that he can do something, you know, from a different genre. Yeah. And, like, I would love to, like, see what, I don't know, a buddy cop comedy movie would be with him. <laughs> I don't know, right? Which yeah. kind of get elements of that in True Lies, to be fair. Sure. But, yeah, I just love the fact that uh, Cameron has this movie on the resume, even if it's not uh, as higher rated compared to the other catalog. You know what I will say, though, is, like, as much as, like, obviously, like, movies like Terminator and, uh, uh, like, Aliens and all that kind of stuff are, like, fantastic and are, like, beloved for a certain like for a reason right? yeah but then when you look at titanic and it's love for like a very different reason yeah i feel like that's why movies like avatar and avatar way of water 
exist because yeah. it's almost like a fusion of like his love of everything sci-fi yes. take everything but then he's like no 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 i need you to like feel something really really important right and uh i think he he had to like understand the idea of spectacle through the lens of titanic to be able to execute something like what we get now nailed it yeah and and even avatar and avatar way of water has its critics in terms of oh these are just stereotype cliched stories we've seen them a million times in other movies it's the pocahontas story it's this story it's that story yeah you're absolutely right we get it but like maybe that's the limit of what cameron can do when it comes to telling nuanced love stories and stuff like that yeah. because he is the master you can't be the master at everything yeah, yeah right yeah. Uh, but the fact that he can bring that to a certain level like you said allows him to almost in a movie like avatar and avatar way of water give him the opportunity to to bring the best of both worlds yeah. of what he's done in the past exactly. together yeah it really is like a culmination of like his life's work yeah like, yeah really, yeah like that's really what it and is and it's cool that we're on this crazy run in yeah. the 2020s where we're going to get so many more avatar movies yeah. and cameron's back it's a good time you know for a cameron mark yeah. it's a good time for the hollywood uh for the for the film industry and um yeah it's just nice to see that cameron's finally making and releasing movies because it was so long since avatar came out right exactly yeah. yeah yeah but uh yeah that's everything for titanic uh go out of your way to check that out we're gonna be doing ant-man next week tell me what Let's get into the last segment of the show. Let's get wrecked. Can you hit me with Sandu's pick? I certainly can. I watched an absolute banger of a TV show this past week. I binged it and I've still actually got the finale to go when this uh, episode actually drops this week, but I'm going to recommend it anyway. Poker Face. Mm. From the brilliant mind of Rianne Johnson, who not just produces, writes, and directs a couple of episodes, but my goodness, this guy is just on fire right now this is a a mystery of the week series which kind of follows this character charlie kale who's played by natasha leon from american pie and orange is a new black fame and she has her character has this extraordinary ability to determine when someone is lying so it's kind of like a murder she wrote as she's kind of going on this road trip and she keeps in- encountering new people. Like every episode has like a guest star of the week, yeah, yeah. all that kind of stuff. It's so much fun. And you're kind of like rooting for this character from the very first episode. The first episode also, by the way, has Adrian Broner in it. Yeah. Right. And funnily enough, this is just perfect timing. An hour before we started recording today's, uh, this week's podcast, it got announced that Poker Face has been renewed for a second season by peacock so it's a hit it's a hit and i can't recommend it enough it's fantastic I, that's definitely on my list it feels like one of those shows that i'm excited to binge yeah more than anything yeah. if you enjoyed you know knives out and glass onion this is right up your street yeah yeah that's awesome uh for me actually like at the end of the day uh, i like to make recommendations usually based on the movie that we're watching and this one is next level for that okay this one is uh is basically what if Jack and Rose actually just ended up together? Mm. And it's basically, I, I don't know if you've ever seen it. Have you seen Revolutionary Road? Oh, yeah, of course. Revolutionary Road, Sam Mendes, it's, it, Brilliant. Answer, it answers that question, right? Yeah. It answers it with zero sugarcoating. Like, Sam Mendes takes an incredible story about, like, this nuclear family and just an all-timer heavy hitter cast with Leo and Kate just undeniable chemistry and if you ask me like their chemistry in titanic is cool but in revolutionary road it's a million times better they're developed better as actors they've gone through so many different things and just like they've become so talented right and like Mm. they're just hitting their stride at a very different level when it gets to revolutionary road and you can really see the difference in acting ability and execution from titanic to this they're obviously just kids at titanic here they are fully developed actors and then here comes Michael Shannon 
just from the left with one of the best like scene for scene performances maybe ever yeah. really to like nail down like all the flaws in the American dream and like just dissecting everything so incredibly well this movie is one of my favorite like I don't even know how to describe like real life couple kind of situations like it's really hard to like articulate it because it's not a particularly like it's not a spectacle yeah it's not like a Sam Mendes movie like you'd see today like Empire of Light or something like that where like the cinematography is just like like a massive star and like a really big important this is like a movie that's told through incredible writing incredible characters and just massive relatability and understanding and uh it's really a beautiful uh a beautifully well-told story about family and like a really difficult way to approach this subject that like you don't really get told in like especially given the time and like context of like the 1950s it's just it's crazy that they were able to tell this story how well they were and it's executed incredibly well and also like david harbour's in it like uh, Kathy Bates is in it as well, also for Titanic, and like so many other characters. It's just fantastic. Go out of your way, Revolutionary Road. One of my favorite. Uh, I think I think it would probably be in like my top ten, top five for like both Kate and Leo. Maybe mm-hmm. two things. So I remember when this got announced, I was like, "Oh wow, Kate and Leo reunited again," and that yeah. was a big deal for people that were like fans of Titanic like oh they're back on screen together what are they going to do now yeah. what's going to what's going to be next for them on screen together and then the second thing is I feel like this is a movie that really made Michael Shannon yeah. like, it made him yeah. and he's like he's a player yeah. he's, he's sticking around mm-hmm. and we're going to be on a ride and like, look at what he does he's it, done it's up, funny up because this point. when we talk about like we're talking about Titanic but I also I rewatched Revolutionary Road as well because I wanted to like have that context and I was like oh mm-hmm. I, I well, like I want to remember. Did I really love this movie as much as I remember loving it? And I loved it even more the second time. Like, nice. It's just so great. Like go out of your way if you are going to watch Titanic, follow it up with this because this is like a perfect watch. And uh, yeah, it's just it's just a tremendous thing. But uh, that's everything for this week, gentlemen. Where can anybody find us? We are at Screen Off Script on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. We're available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And hey, listen, do us a favor, rate and review us. It honestly goes a long way on helping our show get found by new audiences. Awesome. Thank you for checking us out this week, guys. Take care. <laughs>